Welcome to Textile Update, the podcast where we can share our passion for textiles, fibers, and yarns. This is Gwendolyn Hustvedt. We are wrapping up our textiles class in a podcast by focusing on finishes. We'll look at routine, aesthetic, and functional finishes. Well, if you call something routine, there's kind of a implication that it's boring or average or ordinary. And I guess, you know, washing and ironing and bleaching, yeah, it's a little bit ordinary. Uh, we call routine finishes routine because it doesn't matter what sort of end use we're going for or what else we're going to do with the textile. These are finishes that almost all textiles have to undergo in order to be uh, in order for us to be able to use them. So honestly, we're just talking about things like ironing and bleaching, etc. So, the routine finishes, just get it ready to go. So the uh, cleaning and uh, preparing for dyeing is uh, the focus of this particular episode. Now I do want to mention before I get into that, this idea that we talk about finishes based on their durability. So I might call something a permanent press and it means that it will never need ironing again. Whereas if I call it durable press, it means that it really won't need ironing for a long time, but after you own it for a while, typically 50 launderings, the finish will have washed off the surface, right? And this is pretty much true of all finishes that we apply to cellulose, right? Whereas a permanent finish, um, it could be a solution-based finish, will never leave the material. And then, of course, there's a temporary finish. This would be like the, the softener that's applied to towels before you purchase them. So you think, wow, these towels are really soft and fluffy. And then you wash them the first time and they're stiff and scratchy. And then you're like, oh, I better buy more of those chemicals to apply again. Or you discover that scratchy, stiff towels actually uh, give you better exfoliation and make your skin feel lively and alive and are more absorbent. It's just a thought. In terms of some other uh, vocabulary words that are helpful to know surrounding finishes, uh, there's this term gray, uh, spelt G-R-A-Y or G-R-E-Y or G-R-E-I-G-E. This word gray, spelt that way, looks like it's some sort of made up interior designer word that is like a blend between gray and beige. No, they're just acting like they invented that word. We've had that word in textiles for a long time. And it is pronounced gray. Uh, this is gray goods or anything that are in the loom state. So no wet or dry finishes have been applied. Uh, so typically there are companies called jobbers or converters who buy gray goods and then convert them, finish them in order to have them either ready to be uh, printed on by somebody who's who needs to order fabric for their printing or ready to be purchased by the consumer. So jobbers or converters typically have all sorts of equipment that uh, honestly textile mills may or may not find it in their interest to own and maintain. Uh, you need a lot more water to do converting and then you need to do textile production and so in some cases we see the textile mills are in more desertous regions and the converters are in uh, wetter river-based regions. 
so you can tell a gray good because it's typically kind of an off-white beige and the finished fabric will will be a color it will be softer it will be fluffier it will be different in some way now an important concept I also want to introduce before we talk briefly because that's all there is to it really about routine finishes is the idea that fabric is finished using continuous fabric motion sometimes called a pad range and so we could picture a, an enormous cloth beam that's been transported in a shipping container from a textile mill where it was woven and then that cloth beam is put into a uh, uh, the beginning of the pad range, you know, kind of like a roll of paper on the end of a, of a, of a kid's uh, art table. And then we will pull the fabric up off that roll and take it on all the way through, feeding it through all of the different rollers that are used and finally uh, fed onto the final finished cloth beam and then as we roll the fabric onto that beam we're pulling the fabric through all of the other ranges uh, in and it's called a pad range because we use sponges or pads to apply many of the finishes uh, and so I want you to think about all of this as basically kind of fun with rollers and we can um, you know uh, skip certain parts of the process just by um, not threading it through that particular roller or thread it through if we want to have it happen all the machines can be sitting there and then just brought to life as needed. So the routine finishes that I mentioned, uh, we've got all that sizing, that starch that we apply to the warp yarns before we wove them. So we need to launder the fabric to get that starch off or we will have uh, resistance to things like dyeing. We added that starch because we wanted the yarns to be stronger and more abrasion resistant and to help reduce the friction during weaving so that the fibers wouldn't break. Um, but now we need to wash that starch off. So we'll clean it, sometimes called scouring, which, you know, if you scour the kitchen floor, you're really getting in there, right? Scour those pots and pans. Uh, that's very different than just washing. So we're really getting in there and cleaning it. Natural fiber fabrics really especially need the cleaning because there could still be tiny little bits of seed that still cling to the end of the cotton. There could be a little bit of, you know, I don't know, sheep manure. There could be leaves, right? Uh, there could still be stuff in the fabric. So uh, if we hadn't caught it before, now's our chance to remove that foreign matter. The little seeds uh, that ca can cause the, they're a tiny part of a seed that was ripped off as it was ginning, leave a little tiny black spot that's called a nep, N-E-P. So we definitely want to either remove the nep or hide the nep using bleaching. We're wanting to get the fabric ready basically to be uh, printed or dyed. Now with wool, the scouring involves using detergent and hot water uh, to remove the lanolin as well as a bit of sulfuric acid to remove any leaves or twigs or other um, you know, organic matter that might be still trapped inside the fibers. Uh, the little bit of sulfuric acid won't damage the wool. Wool is vulnerable to alkalize, not to acids. So we've got to get off that extra lanolin that will really hinder dyeing and uh, get out any of the additional materials. So wool scouring. Uh, we did it to the, to the wool fibers when we were preparing them to be woven, but we'll give it another good scour now. Degumming the silk, right? We, we can uh, use 
uh, soapy water. Doesn't have to necessarily be hot. Doesn't have to be as, um, uh, you know, we don't need to add any additional uh, chemicals. Uh, just scrub off the remaining bit of that. And and by, by scrub, I mean that basically we would have the, the fabric go into a, a trough in the range. There will be rollers down at the bottom of the trough. We'll thread the fabric through rollers at the top of the trough, down through the rollers at the bottom of the trough, fill the trough with uh, warm soapy water, and then pull the fabric through the trough, have maybe several of these in a row, and then rinse it. So that's uh, that's how we can do that, just pulling the fabric through these baths of, of soapy water. Now with cotton, we may have to do something before we even put it on the range. And this is called cure boiling. And the reason we can't do this um, using pads is we need high pressure. So we'll basically shove the fabric in a pressure cooker and heat it up with uh, alkali water solution in order to get rid of any additional pectin, right, or sericin that may have been on the fabric. Those may need a little bit of extra effort to get rid of. Uh, and we don't think of cotton as being waxy, but it is naturally waxy, that superant. Another thing that we might do uh, occasionally is we might uh, have a singe range inside the pad range. So a little gas jet, the fabric is pulled by the gas jet and it just burns off any protruding fiber ends, kind of defuzzes the surface of the fabric. Uh, we need to be really careful when we do this with blends because of the thermoplastic fibers, they could melt. But for cotton or wool, the singeing can really reduce pilling because we've gotten those those fiber ends removed. Gotta go super fast. We're not trying to light the fabric on fire. Uh, don't try this at home, but apparently there's some hairstylists that can do a kind of haircut by using a flame, right? So it's not uh, totally unheard of in the consumer world as well. So singeing, just a little something we could do. Now we're getting to the bleaching. This is very important uh, because if we start with fabric that is as uniformly white as possible, we can predict what color the, the dye will produce. If the textile has uh, you know, one batch of cotton, maybe slightly yellower than another batch of cotton, then we end up with two slightly different colors, not because the dye formula was different, but because the cotton wasn't the same color when we started. And then our customers complain and yada, yada, yada. So we gotta bleach it first. It also helps improve the dye affinity. Uh, we'll typically use an oxidation bleach, such as chlorine or peroxide or perborate. We might use an acid or reducing bleach as well. It depends on the material. Um, bleaching is not done full width. So again, we had the pad range, which had rollers that um, the fabric was spread out wide, 45 inches wide. But for bleaching, especially oxidation bleaching, we need to get the fabric away from oxygen. So we're actually going to thread the fabric at a certain point down into a pipe and uh, called a J-box that is uh, basically like the, the trap under your sink. And then uh, we have filled the bottom of that pipe with the chemical, right? And we pull it down through the chemical and back up. But while it's in there, it's not exposed to any oxygen, just the bleach. And uh, then we'll, we'll pull it through some washers a couple times to rinse it off. And then eventually we'll take it on to be straightened out, flattened all the way out again, and all the wrinkles gotten out of it. Just in case that bleaching didn't make it white enough, we might throw some optical brighteners into the mix. Um, optical brighteners are uh, chemicals that are fluorescent, 
They're blue, so we can't quite see them with our eye, but you can see them under black light. And they subtly mask yellowing that might naturally be in the fibers uh, and make it seem, you know, whiter than white, brighter than bright. Um, we have these same optical brighteners in some detergents as well. Uh, mercerization. We've already learned about that way back when we talked about cotton, but this is the time where we might do the mercerization. So we'll uh, take the textile through uh, pads with what's called caustic, that's just the alkali um, sodium hydroxide solution. Then we'll just have the fabric hang out by passing over and under various rollers, going through the air. We're just giving it some time for the alkali to really soak in. Then we'll pull it through a tentering range where it's stretched really tight and heated up, steamed. And then we'll wash the alkali out and uh, get it ready to be ironed. You might remember that uh, mercerization improves strength, absorbency, and luster and decreases shrinkage. So SALS, big S, big A, big L, little s. We'll do this to any cellulose fiber, cotton, round linen, it improves dimensional stability. It also improves dye affinity. So uh, unmercerized fabric and mercerized fabric, same fabric, before and after mercerization, dye it in the same dye vat, right? And you'll end up with a slightly darker, brighter shade for the mercerized fabric. I mentioned tentering. You might've heard of the phrase of tenter hooks right? I um, believe that uh, butchers had this one first. I don't think we invented this. But if you look at a piece of fabric, if you look in the selvage, you might notice that there are tiny little holes punched in the selvage at regular intervals. One of the reasons we use that really nice sturdy lino weave in the selvage is because we knew we were going to do this to the edge of the fabric. We hooked pins in the edge and the pins are set exactly across from each other along the width of the fabric. And we hook one end of the grain and the other end of the grain in two sets of pins that are exactly across from each other. Even if the fabric is slightly skewed, we pull hard on either side, we heat it up, steam it a bit, and this can help us correct skewing and bowing. So it's not a problem that couldn't have been fixed. If you see it in a textile, you know somebody was just in a hurry and couldn't straighten the fabric out, set the grain and dry it properly. We use it to make sure the fabric is the correct width. So this tentering range will be, you know, 45 or 60 or 108 inches because that's the width consumers like to buy it, at least in the States. Uh, I mentioned that we need to iron the fabric, get out all the wrinkles that might have occurred in those J boxes or in other uh, in scouring. Uh, and to do this, we'll do something called calendaring. Uh, not calendaring like somebody's administrative assistant might do for them. You know, oh, could you calendar in my appointment, Bob? No, calendaring spelt C-A-L-E-N-D-E-R-I-N-G. Named after a Mr. Calendar, I believe. And uh, calendaring involves heated metal rollers. And makes sense if you think about it, right? Just squeeze the fabric between two hot rollers and it will be perfectly ironed. We'll talk about a bit more when we discuss aesthetic finishes about what else you could do with hot rollers. But just for now, straight up calendaring is designed to iron it. So there we go. It's routine. We just took fabric that was dirty had manure on it, little bits of seeds, chemicals we didn't need, it wasn't quite the right shade, all wrinkly, and we fixed all of that. Routine.